Author's Playhouse. And he wished to sell you a kangaroo, Mrs. Cotton. He did. He did. I can't help it, but I swear it's the truth. Luke McCoy may have been short of some of the virtues, but he had a good heart and a long memory. And that explains how he won his greatest case. Because, as James Aswell's story shows, he made a promise to Mark. Mr. Luke, one cup of java. Anything else I can get for you? No, thanks. Not right now. You're open late tonight, aren't you? Just getting ready to close up, sir. Only one customer besides yourself. Excuse me a minute, will you? Uh, how much I owe you, Fred? Yeah, let's see now. Forty-five, sixty-seven cents altogether. Yeah, say, uh, ain't that old Luke McCoy just come in now? It sure is. And a great old guy, too. The best district attorney Riverton ever had. He always was a sort of boyhood idol of mine. Ain't he the one who dressed up like a ghost to scare confession out of the green basket woman? Remember that case? Yeah, that's him, all right. He used to win a lot of cases with crazy tricks like that. Oh, he was great, I'll say. In them days, he could have had anything he wanted. Congress, a high judgeship, maybe even governor. But he just wanted to stay here in Riverton and win cases with those goofy stunts. I never failed to. Yeah, he's uh, not so well off now, is he? No, I guess not. He, he folded up after his wife died. Oh. Took to drink for a while. And he just, well, just plain quit. Ah, tough. Well, here's your money, Fred. Uh, good night. See you tomorrow. How's the coffee, Mr. McCoy? Fine, my boy, fine. Young man, I have some news for you. Next week, I'm taking up residence in the county poor farm. Poor farm? Mr. Luke, you can't do that. Why not? It will complete the cycle. I came to Riverton with nothing, and it is appropriate that I should leave it to enter the poor farm in the same condition. You know, <laughs> I do up the charter for that institution, and I was careful to include a provision in small type that, that room should be made for Luke McCoy any time he felt like become non-paying guest. But, Mr. Luke, after all the successes you've had, you can't end up like that. Look, uh, a small loan will tide you over. Thank you, my boy, thank you. Just put the coffee on my account and that'll be fine. Good night, Fred. Oh, oh. Excuse me, young lady. Yes. What can I do for you, miss? How do? Was he Luke McCoy? That's right. Oh, I wanted to speak to him. I didn't have the nerve right then. Say, do you reckon you'd get my sweetheart out of jail for $5? I don't think Luke McCoy's practicing right now. He hasn't been for some time. Who is your sweetheart, young lady? And who are you? He's Tony Swift. I'm one of the Roan girls, Lila Roan. Tony Swift. Say, I remember him. He's Mark Swift's son, isn't he? That's right. Mark Swift was a pretty close crony of old Luke McCoy, if I remember right. Yes, while Mark was alive, they were very good friends. Listen, you go around to Mrs. Dufer's boarding house and tell Luke McCoy that Tony Swift's in trouble. I think he'll help you. If he won't, I'll put in a word for you. Oh, him. thanks. By the way, what's Tony Swift in jail for? 
for stealing chickens. The trouble is, he really did steal them. Mr. Luke, did you see Lila Rome last night? Some coffee, young man. A stimulant, please. Yes, I saw it all right. And you'll help, Tony? Thank heaven you sent her. I'm going to try and get that boy out of jail. But I'm scared. I'm scared I can't do it. I'm all blown empty now. Once when I was so young thoughts and dreams, I could wait until the day before the trial and know that it would all fit together suddenly and I, I'd know what to do. I always did. But now, now all that old fire is gone. Here's your coffee, Mr. Luke. You remember Mark Swift? He died in jail where he went for manslaughter. I promised him I'd look after Tony, and I meant it, too. I meant it sincerely and truthfully, but... Well, I got absorbed in myself and my own unhappiness, and I forgot about his boy. Well, you couldn't help it, Mr. Luke. You, you had your own troubles. I wonder if that's any excuse. Well, I'm going down to the jail to see Tony now. You want to come along? You betcha. Wait a minute, follow lock up. Trouble is, my confidence is gone. If I'd had this case 15 years ago... What did the kid do? Well, he got to drinking beer with Ivy Waters, and Ivy bet him he couldn't steal three chickens from Luella Coxman's henhouse. So Tony did it, and Luella saw him. He didn't say so, but I suspect it was more than just a bet. I think he was hungry. But three chickens, Mr. Luke, that can't be much. Why don't we offer to pay for them? Three chickens, yes. But they seem to have been Luella's blooded stock, young man. Valued at $150. $150? What? That's grand larceny. Right. Poor Tony can get two years. Funny thing, Luella lives in the old Swift home. She bought it for practically nothing at auction after Mark went to jail. Of course, Tony was thrown out. To think that I let her do that to Mark's boy. Well, here we are. Let's go in. Hello, Mr. McCoy. Hello, Lila. You here? They wouldn't let me in, so I waited for you. Hello, Luke. What are you doing here? Well, if it isn't District Attorney Hume... I came to see a client, Tony Swift. Visiting hours are over. <laughs> You're here, aren't you? I'm district attorney. I've got a right to be here. I believe under the law I'm entitled to see my client. Can that stuff. You haven't got any client. You're just patrol wagon chasing. I'm sick and tired of hearing what a wonderful district attorney you used to be, Luke. Now, baby, we'll pull you in for vagrancy. Don't you dare talk to Mr. McCoy that way. He's a fine, good man, and you aren't. I know about you. You were on a secret payroll for $500 a month and you didn't work for it at all. Everybody knows it. Young lady, you're a little hysterical, aren't you? Ah, uh... uh, well, let him go back and see the prisoner, Chief. Maybe it would be a good thing to have that stumble bum go into court and pull down some more of that McCoy legend. Okay, Hume, if you say so. take too long. Hello, Tony. Mr. McCoy. Hello, Lila. Hello, Tony. Hi, Fred. Hello, Tony. Gee, Mr. McCoy, I'm glad you came. 
I won't be here long now, will I? <laughs> well, not long. Uh, what's your bail? Well, Judge Finney's holding me without bail. You see, I pleaded guilty. I did steal the chickens, you know. But, Tony, why'd you ever pick Luella Coxman's prize chickens? Don't you know you can get two years? Yeah, that's what Hume told me. You see, Mr. McCoy, a friend and I were in Giretti's barn. He was treating me to a couple of bottles of beer. We were going to hitchhike to New Orleans next morning and join the Navy. But you've never stolen anything before, Tony. Uh, well, it may seem funny, but taking the chickens, going there, it didn't seem wrong at all. That used to be our house, you know. And it was just like going home. You were hungry, too, weren't you? Well, yeah. Maybe a little. I betrayed my trust. What, sir? Nothing, nothing. Now, listen. You'll change your plea to not guilty. We'll get you out of this, Tony. Oh, sure. I knew that as soon as you came. Did you get the money, Fred, my boy? Yes, sir. Fifty dollars. The most I could save up on short notice. Good. I've got a hundred here. I've been saving it a long time now. It's, it's my funeral money. Yeah, here's Luella Coxon's house. Do you think your plan stands a chance of working? I doubt it, but we can try. She's coming. Well? What do you two want? Madam, we won't disturb you long. It's about those chickens of yours you lost the other night. They were not lost, Mr. McCoy. They were stolen by that wicked Tony Swift. I turned the flashlight on him and recognized him with my own eyes. You couldn't have been mistaken. Mistaken? <laughs> I have very good eyesight, and I've never told a lie in my life. I've never found it necessary. <laughs> I wish I could say the same, ma'am. That Tony Swift stole three of my finest, my darlingest, my prize-winning hens and roasted them in the woods. Uh, would you set a price on them? Price, indeed. They were practically priceless. However, if you must calculate in dollars and cents, I'd say at the least $50 apiece. At the very, very least. Well, then, ma'am, my client wishes to repay you and apologize. Here's $150 cash. Of course, now you'll drop the charges against Tony. Oh, no, Mr. McCoy. My sense of duty wouldn't let me do that. Let that boy go free? No, sir. He must go to jail. He's got wicked blood in him. He'll probably end up by killing people just like his father did. I'm going to see that he stays in jail. Good night. <clears throat> no hope from her. She's determined. She wronged the boy by grabbing his property. She'll never forgive him for that. Well, we can't give up, Mr. Luke. Give up? No. I've got to save that boy. <laughs> Fred, say, is this town stirred up? Yeah? You mean about the trial? I mean the trial, all right. It's better than the last election for governor. Why all the fuss about Tony Swift? Ah, you know as well as me, it ain't Tony. Everybody's anxious to see what Luke McCoy's gonna pull at the trial. Bill Hume's fixing to cook his goose for fair. Sure looks like he can do it. You wait and see. I bet Luke has a trick or two up his sleeve yet. He'll make a fool out of Hume when the trial comes up. Hey, Fred. 
Mr. Few in the bank building asked me to tell you to see him. He said right away. Mr. Few, the banker? Wait a minute, Slim. I'll be right back. Come in. Oh, Mr. Few, I heard you wanted to see me. Hello, Fred. It's about some business. I hate to bring the matter up, but we have your note for that $500 you borrowed a year ago. Oh, well, yes, but uh, I'm not due to pay that for another year. Yes, I know, but the bank directors had a meeting yesterday, and they... Well, they decided they wanted the money sooner. But I can't meet that, Mr. Few. What, it wronged me. Besides, you told me yourself I had plenty of time. I know, but uh, it's out of my hands now. Oh, as a matter of fact, Fred, it's all because of this trial business. You've got yourself mixed up with Luke McCoy and Tony Swift, and certain people don't like you for it. Certain people? I mean Luella Cox. She's one of our directors, you know. You mean she's trying to make me stop helping Luke? Oh, but you can't let her do it, Mr. Few. You've always been swell to me. There's not much I can do against her, Fred. Well, I tell you what. I'll give you a few more days to pay up. If Luke wins the trial, Luella probably won't want to mention anything about it again. And that means you're no two. But if Luke loses... Then you'll have to pay, even if you lose your restaurant. Here you are, Hume. Have another. Thanks. Uh, 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 that's enough. All right. Well, Hume, do you think you'll get a conviction on young Swift? Thank you. Uh, don't be ridiculous. Case is open and shut. McCoy won't even be able to get started. How about a little bet on that? Uh, well, let's make it a sporting proposition. Bet? All right, if you want me to take your money. How much? Mm, well, since you're so sure, let's make it five to one on $100. A hundred? Small fry, pal, small fry. Make it a thousand and I'll give you ten to one. Mr. Luke, glad to see you drop in. How are things going? Not good, young man. Not good. Trial's Monday. I couldn't get a postponement. That boy seems certain to be convicted. Now, don't talk like that, Mr. Luke. Think. You're doing it for Mark. You promised him. That's so. He was the grandest guy in the world, Mark was. Quick-tempered, but square. He killed a man and died in jail. He could have gone free, I think, but he wouldn't plead the circumstances on account of Tony. Besides, I'm in on this thing now, too. You? How? Among other things, the inspector for the State Board of Health came in today and argued as how I seem to be violating almost all the regulations of the sanitary code. That dirty Phil Hume. That's some of his work. And that's the way politics works in Riverton. You know, I keep thinking about those two kids, Tony and Lila. They're so confident and young. They've got a great freshness. But it won't last. Two years in jail will just about kill that boy's quick smile. And now you're in it, too. Fred, I'll smash Field Hume if it's the last thing I do. Hello, Fred. How you been? Oh, Lila. Say, have you seen Mr. Luke? He hasn't been around for three days, and I'm worried. Worried about him? Say, forget it. He knows how to take care of himself. Well, you know, tomorrow's a trial. 
By the way, have you seen Tony? Just left him. I was visiting him all day. We've been having a fine time making plans. What kind of plans? Well, it's like this. Monday, Tony goes free. We get married on Tuesday. Then he enlists in the Navy, and after the uh, war is uh, over... Hey, we'll... hold on. Uh, don't be too sure about all that. I'd hate to see you disappointed. You know, things don't always work out so easily. Oh, but they do. They do for Mr. McCoy. He was with me over the weekend. That's why you didn't see him. We went to the circus. You... You what? I treated Mr. McCoy to the circus at Crescent City. Next to marrying Tony, that was the thing I wanted to do best. Gee, it was swell. There was even a band, and we saw everything there was to see. Well, where'd you get the money? Oh, I had $5 saved from selling eggs, so I took Mr. McCoy. He was sad the first part, but the circus cheered him up. Toward the last, he began to laugh his head off. And afterwards, he sent me home on the bus by myself. He, he sent you home by yourself? Lila, he hadn't been drinking, had he? Oh, maybe he had one or two, I don't know. What's the matter? You aren't worried about anything, are you? No, I'm not worried. The court will please come to order. Case of State versus Anthony Swift, Judge Finney presiding. Mr. Hume... Jury's been selected, has it? Yes, Your Honor. Do you have any objections to the jury selected, Mr. McCoy? None, Your Honor. Then the case will proceed. You're sure the jury's all right, Mr. Luke? You know, one of the men there owns a chicken farm. He'll side with Luella Coxon for sure. Everything's under control, my boy. Just it's me. Call your first witness, Mr. Hume. I call Chief of Police Pell, Your Honor. Yes, I'll swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. <laughs> He's called ten witnesses so far, Mr. Luke. Well, a coxman makes the eleven. How many have you got? Just one red, but an important one. Now, Mrs. Coxman, you say you were awakened in the middle of the night by a noise in your hen house. That's right. It was about 12.30. Then what did you do? Grabbed a flashlight and went out to see what it was. Just as I got to the gate, I saw someone trying to scramble under the fence. And he had three of my prized chickens under his arms. Yes, yes, and then what? I flashed the light at him, and I saw him as plain as day. For Tony Swift's all right, just as sure as he's sitting over in the corner there making faces at me. No mistake about it, Mrs. Coxman? No mistake. It was Tony Swift. Yes, it was Tony Swift. Your Honor, the state rests its case. Mr. Luke, it sure looks bad, don't it? It's all right, Fred. Just stop worrying. Does the defense any motions or requests to make before proceeding? No, I reckon not, Your Honor. And would you present your first witness? Yes, Your Honor. I'm not going to confuse the jury by presenting a lot more witnesses. I believe the state has done about all they could to round up all the witnesses needed here. And in order to prove Tony Swift is an innocent man, I want only to recall Mrs. Coxman to the stand for a few questions. You mean Mrs. Coxman is your only witness, Mr. McCoy? My only witness, Your Honor. Silence. Silence. Mrs. Coxman, would you take the stand again? I certainly. No, Mrs. Coxman, I, I think you were mistaken about seeing this young man in your chicken yard. Mr. McCoy, as I told you when you came over the other day and tried to get me to drop this case, I never found it necessary to tell a lie in my life. And I'm not mistaken. In other words, if you see a thing, you are very sure you see it. Of course I am. All right, madam. Now, your chickens are your greatest interest in life, aren't they? Why shouldn't they be? 
Yes, I, I suppose raising chickens like you do, you're real fond of them. I do love my chickies. You wouldn't say your chickens were an obsession, would you? Objection, Your Honor. All this stuff is completely irrelevant and childish. Objection sustained. All right. Then let's go back to something you said a moment ago. You're a truthful woman, aren't you, Mrs. Coxman? Well, of course I am. Good. Now, you have no objection to outlining to the jury the routine of a typical day in your life, have you? I object. Your Honor, this man is merely trying to take up the court's time with a mass of trivia. He can't possibly have any purpose except to delay the conviction of his client. On the contrary, I'm trying to prove his innocence. Your Honor, this is just another case to our prosecuting attorney. But to this boy, it means two years out of his life. Give me the chance to save those years for him. The court's time is valuable, Mr. McCoy. Time is valuable to Tony Swift, too. You're stalling, McCoy. This is my witness, Hume. I'll ask what questions I choose. Let him proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. Now, Mrs. Coxman, we seem to have restored peace to the courtroom. Suppose we take a typical day in your life, say yesterday. Now, I want you to remember to tell the absolute truth about this day, uh, yesterday, chosen at random. Well, <clears throat> I'd rather take some other day. Did anything happen yesterday that you were ashamed of? If so, we'll take Tuesday, Wednesday, any old day. I should say not. I just don't see what all this has to do with the case, that's all. But you will tell the truth about yesterday. I'll tell the truth about any day in my life. Fine. Now, yesterday was Sunday. You, you went to church, didn't you? Yes, but um, <clears throat> before church, a little dwarf came to buy some of my setting eggs. I beg your pardon? A little what? I told you, a little dwarf. I must object, Your Honor. All this is utterly ridiculous. Let him proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. Now, uh, what did this little dwarf, as you say, uh, look like? He was about three feet tall, and he had a long white beard. <laughs> Silence! Well, well. All right, madam, I agree with the district attorney. This business about the dwarf, whom you may or may not have seen, is ridiculous. Then you went to church? Yes, I did. But I'll have you know that it was a dwarf, and he bought two dozen of my setting eggs. And... When I got home from church, I had another visitor, just as funny as the dwarf. You asked for the truth, and I'm giving it to you. All right, madam. I meant no offense, and of course I want the truth. This other visitor, what was he like? Well, this man was a giant. He was about eight feet tall, and he had on a red suit. Silence! <laughs> Silence! Spectators not see this demonstration. I shall have to clear the court. Come, come, Mrs. Coxman. We must have jokes in court. This is a serious matter. Oh, you insulting men. And you too, all of you. But it's true. And furthermore, this giant tried to sell me a kangaroo. He tried to sell you a kangaroo? Yes, he did. Maybe you sent him, I don't know. I sent him? Gentlemen, has anyone seen dwarfs and giants and kangaroos abroad in this city of late? Either in my company or unescorted? <laughs> I'll admit, I thought I had a few with me in recent months, but I doubt that they were real. <laughs> Mrs. Coxman, this seems to have been a most unusual day in your life. It, it is given to a few of us to have dwarfs and giants for visitors and be offered kangaroos for sale. Would I be overbold if I were to suggest there might have been an elephant in your apple tree? No, there wasn't any elephant. It was a monkey. A monkey? 
Hanging by his tail, no doubt. No, he wasn't. He was sitting up. And he carried a red, white, and blue umbrella. <laughs> this is a trick, Your Honor. Just another one of his cheap, shyster tricks. He bribed her. He made her tell this utterly fantastic story about a monkey in a tree with an umbrella. Yes, and it wasn't even raining. But I did too, them. I tell you, I did. I saw all of them. My dear thing, I was bribed, you vicious man. Shut up, will you? I saw a dwarf and a giant with a kangaroo, and there was a monkey in my apple tree, and I did too, Stephen. I did, I did, I tell you, I did. Shut up, I tell you. Silence in the court. Silence. Your Honor, I... I said silence. Mrs. Coxwain, do you realize what you have been saying? Well, yes, Your Honor, but... Do you still insist that what you have said is the truth? Yes, yes, it... Mr. McCoy... You have the witness. Thank you, Your Honor. I have nothing more to say to her, but I would like to sum up my case. Proceed, Mr. McCoy. Well, I did see them. I did see them. I saw them in my own. Of course she saw them. Gentlemen of the jury, you have seen her and heard her with, her, with your own eyes and ears. It is my contention that this good lady has become obsessed, mentally unbalanced by her interest in chicken raising. She saw this innocent boy in her chicken yard the same way she saw these dwarfs and giants with their kangaroos and monkeys. It would be nothing short of criminal to pay heed to such a wild, incoherent tale as she tells. It is imagination, pure and simple. And therefore, I ask you in your good judgment to acquit this boy. Your Honor, the defense rests. <laughs> Well, you did it, Mr. Luke. The whole town's talking. They're running you for district attorney already. And Mr. Few said to tell you the bank needs a lawyer for steady work. Thank you, Fred. But that all seems unimportant. Did you see the kids, Tony and Lila, after the trial? They never had a doubt. They weren't the least bit surprised. They had absolute faith in me. And the mountain moved as directed. You certainly kept your promise to Mark. Yeah, those two will be all right together. You looked out for him as he said you would. Yes. <laughs> you know what it cost me to get those freaks from the circus hall over here in a covered wagon yesterday? It cost exactly $65. <laughs> An outrage. There goes a first-class funeral shot to pieces, young man. You have heard James Aswell say, A Promise to Mark, adapted for Author's Playhouse by Raymond Chan and directed by Homer Heck. Philip Lord and Angel Casey were heard as Luke McCoy and Lila Roan, and Clarence Hartzell as Fred. The musical score was composed by Dr. Roy Shield, and the orchestra was under the direction of Joseph Galicchio. Next week, same time, same station, Author's Playhouse will bring you Charles MacArthur's story of an unhappy hangman, Rope. <laughs>
Authors Playhouse comes to you from Chicago. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you.